Hi, everyone. It's Mo Bandari of another interesting orthopod. We, we from time to time, have uh, very high-impact trials that are published. And we have just such a trial and published recently in JAMA Surgery. Lucky enough, we have the uh, lead investigator and uh, chief scientist on this program, Dr. Dagan, who is the chief of trauma at the Core Institute. Dr. Dagan, thank you so much for joining us. And I wonder if you might sort of uh, break the suspense and tell us a little bit about the trial and uh, what you found. Well, thank you very much for uh, having me on your program, Dr. Bandari. Uh, this study, uh, it, it took uh, about seven years to complete. So it was a long, uh, slow process that I started when I was a resident. So essentially, we completed a randomized control trial looking at patients with flail chest injuries, comparing operative to non-operative treatment. And uh, uh, essentially, we randomized uh, 207 patients, so 108 in one group, 99 in the other group. And uh, our primary outcome was um, ventilator-free days, which is a composite outcome that takes into account the length of time on a ventilator and also accounts for mortality. So instead of counting the uh, number of days you're on event, it does the reverse. It says, how many days are you off event? in the first 28 days to essentially penalize patients who unfortunately um, pass away. Um, and uh, our so our primary outcome was to look at ventilator-free days. And we uh, thought that uh, if we show a difference of two days, that would be uh, clinically uh, significant uh, meeting the MCID. And um, what we found was that overall, uh, there was about uh, a uh, just a bit over a two-day difference in terms of ventilator-free days, but it didn't reach statistical significance, which potentially is uh, due to a small sample size or our um, standard deviations being too uh, broad. We did do a subgroup analysis um, that was uh, planned specifically looking at patients who are on event at the time of randomization, patients who are not on event, because we thought these are these may be two separate groups of individuals and potentially their outcomes are different. And there wasn't really any studies up until that point looking at these subgroups separately. So what we found specifically in the patients who are not on a ventilator, they actually do quite well with non-operative treatment. And you can't really make that any better with surgery in any of the outcomes we looked at. Certainly their time on a ventilator was the same and rates of pneumonia, sepsis, um, uh, even uh, functional outcome scores looking at SF36 was all the same and really surgery didn't improve it. What we did find was that the patients who are on a ventilator early on, uh, surgery potentially improves those patients to decrease the length of time on a vent, so improves the ventilator free days and also uh, improves their length of stay in the hospital. And mortality also was... Um, higher, uh, statistically higher in the uh, non-operative group compared to the surgical group overall. And most of those patients were again on a ventilator. So, I mean, first of all, congratulations on getting it done. Can you speak a little bit, if I could just deviate a little bit back to just how important it is um, to have, you know, gone through this trial and the origin of this trial. Can you speak a little bit? So you said that you were in training at the time the, the sort of the, the idea for this trial came about. Can you speak to the origins of why you decided to investigate this area? Yes, um, I was uh, I was a PGY three or four at the time doing my um, uh, trauma rotation at University of Toronto. And it came up just, uh, we, we had a patient in the ICU and they couldn't get him off the vent. He had too much pain in the ICU. 
uh, staff asked uh, the orthopedic trauma service if we could fix his ribs so they could get him off the ventilator. And that was certainly novel at the time. I personally hadn't seen it or heard of this uh, before, specifically with orthopedics being involved with uh, uh, fixing the, uh, the chest wall. So my attending at the time, that was uh, Dr. McKee. So he performed the surgery and I was there and I thought this was really cool and novel. Obviously, I hadn't seen it before. So I looked more into it and um, it, it kind of really started from there, just a very simple um, idea as a resident. And it it got my interest. So I looked into um, the uh, patient specific at St. Michael's Hospital we were at, looking at the number of patients for the past 10 years to see how many flail chests do we get? How do these patients do? What are the outcomes? And from there, we looked at overall um, in the National Trauma Data Bank, looking at overall um, trauma patients in North America, how do these patients do? What's What are the outcomes? What's the prognosis? And what percentage are actually fixed? And we found that, uh, you know, patients actually do quite terrible. There's a high risk of morbidity and mortality, and surgery is um, really not, uh, not that common. So from there, we did some other studies looking at um, uh, just retrospective reviews of what's out there in the literature. And basically all of this led into, well, really we should have a big trial to see if surgery is beneficial. Cause up until that time, there were two small RCTs done, but they were about 10 or 20 years old. They were outdated uh, methods. They were, one was in um, Japan, one was in uh, Europe. There was really nothing done in North America. And it was just becoming a really hot topic at the time where you would go to, um, meetings, especially trauma, not necessarily orthopedics, but trauma meetings. And they would talk about how all these retrospective cases that they did, and they were all great, but there was really no high quality studies. So essentially that's, that's how it started out. And even at the time it started as a single center, just where I was doing my training. And from there, we um, included the other level one center in Toronto, Wing, Saint, uh, Sunnybrook Hospital. And from there, it spread into the rest of Canada. Let's get the rest of Orthopedic Trauma Society involved. And from there, it became bigger to include some American sites. When, when you have such a strong finding, let's say, you know, like in the, in the intubated patients, you know, seeing pretty dramatic changes in terms of their primary outcome indices, did you get a sense during the trial that, you know, that, that this was happening? I mean, obviously, you know, it's a randomized trial. You're still assessing outcomes. But, you know, sometimes what happens in trials is when there's such a strong positive effect that it just becomes, it becomes hard to get people to randomize because they're seeing such a strong positive effect. Was there ever a situation where you thought we might have to stop the trial early? Was there an interim analysis that suggested maybe that this subgroup effect existed? Or was this really at the end of the trial that you, all this uh, insight around this potential subgroup effect came about? Yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, to be honest, we were pretty blinded and it, was, it, uh, it wasn't it uh, was a big obvious thing that we could see up until the point where we ran, when we um, did the analysis. Um, so it, as far as myself, I was still unsure how it was going to turn out. And to be honest, I personally, and I think most of us um, were somewhat disappointed in the results. We had uh, We had thought that there would be an even more substantial difference between the two groups. Overall, uh, the overall um, uh, population, we thought yeah. overall surgery would that would show a difference. And um, even for the ventilated patients, we thought the difference would be even more than what we saw. So I thought it was definitely um, 
interesting to look at the results because up until then, all these other retrospective studies or non-randomized studies were showing uh, such dramatic improvements. And certainly, I don't think our studies show our our studies show our study shows uh, such a dramatic improvement. Certainly, in that subgroup of ventilated patients, there's improvement of about three days, but the magnitude isn't as much as. Um, others non-randomized studies have which is reported. really fascinating because we i mean we've done trials as you know too and you often think that the, the trials that you base it on have such a big effect that you're almost often i've been many times disappointed as to why we such a such a dampened effect and probably likely because of the rigor and the design of your trial often tends to be a bit more conservative estimates but you must have thought deeply about why you think there was this difference because on face you would think fixing something that is a, you know, an unstable chest would lead for sure to better outcomes. Do you think that it could be a timing issue that, that the benefits aren't seen for a longer period of time out and, and maybe the early period isn't capturing it quite the way? Right, so that's a good point. And the uh, publication that came out is based on the acute in-hospital uh, outcomes, so ventilator um, yeah. days and uh, acute mortality hospital stay, that kind of thing. We're still looking at long-term uh, outcomes and we have to go back and analyze all of that. So looking at uh, pulmonary function testing at a year or six months out. Is there any difference in that or disability scores for uh, chest pain or shortness of breath? Uh, pain scores is another thing we're looking at. Narcotic requirements, pain specifically. So all of that we still have to um, have to delve into and see. But um, I think that that's the same with a lot of results. Like you say, a lot of the uh, studies you've done where you go in um, thinking it's going to show one thing and it doesn't necessarily show that i don't know if that's just because uh patients being and as part of a study they just tend to overall do better because everyone's doing a better job and even the non um treatment groups tend to do better maybe because of that because they have more careful yeah. close monitoring and things are picked up sooner for you now thinking forward maybe i'll i'll ask this is my last question but when you think forward now, um, how is this, I mean, so it's informed practice, obviously, to some degree, what's next for you? And it may have nothing to do with, uh, you know, flail chess, for example, but I'm just curious, what's, what kind of um, areas are you now focusing on as you think about sort of the other academic pursuits you have? Well, um, I, I think the regards to the studies, I'll break it down. What's next yeah. for, um, regarding flail chest, I think this really helps. I, I think this pendulum is really swinging too far to one side. So when we first started the study, we had to go meet with people and convince them that maybe once in a while a rib fracture, these flail chest should be fixed because at the time it was really outrageous to say that. Now, 10 years later, uh, since we started the study, um, really there, uh, I have to go and say the opposite to people. I go to my hospital, you know, trauma surgeons and say, please don't fix this 80 year old with a couple of rib fractures. I, I don't think you're helping the patient. So I think pendulums definitely swung to the other side. And I, I, I thankful that the study now gives us some evidence to say, Hey, maybe if this patient isn't vented, they're just sitting there talking, chatting, they're not necessarily going to benefit from a big operation as opposed to the patients who's ventilated and not doing so well. Um, as far as where we're going uh, from here, um, uh, myself, I'm in Arizona now. So regarding the study, we still have all the secondary outcomes to look at and analyze um, and uh, looking forward to uh, doing, uh, being involved with uh, some other prospective uh, uh, trials and doing some collaborative work as well. 
Well, on that note, I just thank you again for sharing with us another, what we think milestone important study, not um, also for the results, but also generally the fact that multi-center collaboratives uh, published in high impact journals should be widely disseminated and uh, appreciating you and the team that was involved in this particular study for the leadership and looking forward to hearing more uh, about the work you're doing, um, Neil Far. So thank you again and really appreciate your time with us. Thank you very much, Dr. Bundari. Thanks for having me.